Man, it's good to see you. If I can't see you, it's because I'm blind up here with these lights, but it's all good. And um, man, we should all get really close together. Like, you know, move in. No, I'm joking. Okay, maybe not. Okay. Well, hey, I'm Matt. This is my bride, Kim. Hi. And uh, we've been married uh, 30 years and... And one month. Yeah, exactly. It's a miracle. (laughs) Yeah, you're laughing. You're laughing. It really is a miracle. All right, we have 3.7 kids. Um, The dog is 0.7 because he's a 110-pound lab. Um, (laughs) He's big. Our, Our kids are adults, so... We're empty nesters. Close. Ish. Close, but good enough. Um, so we are going to share our story here. Um, let me just tell you those 30 years. Life was bliss um, until it bombed. Then God remade it into a beautiful story. Last year. <laughs> yeah, she ain't joking. Or Bill. maybe this year. <laughs> You know, God um, gave us a lot of, uh, who, who prophesied over, spoke that you know, God is faithful to us um, and to our marriage, even when we're, you know, you're wondering how are we going to make it through, right? And so um, what we're going to share is real. Uh, nothing shocks us. Um, you know, more than anything else, we believe in a big God that is not afraid of our mess. And he's not willing to leave us in it. Yep. Yep. So we just want to invite you into our story a little bit. We don't have a lot of time to give you a lot of details of what we've gone through, but we've gone through some hard stuff. And there were days that we honestly didn't know if we were going to make it. And sometimes as a Christian, it's hard to say that, right? Because our hope is anchored in God. But sometimes we get distracted and we get hurt. And those wounds fester and fester and fester some more. So for us, our story has been on the surface, we've had this great marriage. Like everybody's like, oh, we want to have marriage like you and, you know, cute little family and all this stuff. And on the surface, it was great, but we carried some really deep wounds that we brought in before we even knew each other and didn't deal with them. And then they affected how we related to each other. So we've been on a journey of God showing us who we are as individuals. And now we're at a place that we can actually love ourselves and love each other. So that's wow. part of, that's part of us. So she went deep quick. <laughs> okay. So did you get your muck boots? I actually was <laughs> going to bring my muck boots tonight. Um, we're going to have fun. Um, why did we share that reality is because a lot of times in Christian marriages, we think that oh man, it must be perfect for them. They don't have the same problems as we do. They, you know, every, you only, we're only unique to these challenges. I'm sorry, you're unique, just like your mom and dad told you, but you're really not. Okay, you got the same problems just like every other human does in marriage, and that God has an answer for that. So we're going to dive into that today. Um, with limited time, we're going to hit on some key points and then give you some resources to explore yourself if you want. Those three parts are uh, foundation, personalities, and communication. If you wanted to title it tonight, it's going to be how to thrive in a marriage with different personalities. All right. Um, So, hey, some ground rules. This is really important. Do I, if I see married couples sitting next to each other, that's cool. Um, So when I say something good, wives, please don't elbow your husbands in the rib. Um, Remember, he gave that rib to you. He can take it back. (laughs) 
Okay, that was a little too much. <laughs> okay, and when Kim says something really good, wives, don't stare at your husbands. Men's brains have limited brain cells, and the death stare will literally make them explode. Men, this is the perfect time to put your arm around your wife and simply say, I know, and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, like I said, we're going to share some stories, some wisdom, some experiences, some resources and tools. Um, let me just say this. You may not like what we have to say. That's okay. Keep the meat, spit out the bones, don't judge the rest, right? I'm hoping tonight and with the clients too that you will get something that the Holy Spirit gives you specifically. And that's what you need to hold on to and take with the Lord and so forth. So, you know, that's okay if you don't like everything we say. I don't like everything I say sometimes. <laughs> I don't like everything you say either. <laughs> and like I said, we're going deep quick. All right. You guys ready here? Part one. Um, I had a timer on here, but it went away. So I need someone to help us with the 30 minutes because um, is that cool? All right. All right. Here we go. Part one foundations. If you're taking notes, this is really cool. When you actually type stuff down and if you write stuff down, you actually remember it. Right. So if you asked me last week what I preach, I'll say, did you take notes? And if you didn't, I say, yeah, tough luck. No, write this stuff down. Here we go. We're going to do a foundation. This is only going to take a couple minutes. Um, Really felt that out of all the things with marriage, um, we're going to we're going to borrow a little bit of information from Danny Silk, and that is creating a culture of honor. Now he wrote a great book called Culture of Honor. It's really towards church leadership, but man, it's actually great on relationships. Um, He also wrote another book called um, Keep Your Love On. All right, I'm not, we're not going to dive into that. That's not our session or our part, but I would say go to Danny Silk stuff and just start reading and watching some of the best tools you can find. But I do want to say, on regards to culture of honor, it means creating an environment that operates with love, respect, and value. Now, remember, this reflects how God relates to you. And when God relates to you this way and you receive that, you can relate to your spouse in the same way. With that being said, as a foundation, I want to speak to this on love. Love that's unconditional. I don't withhold love if you don't perform to my expectations. We're just going to go deep. Do you withhold love when your spouse doesn't meet your expectations? Uh, I'm just raising my hand. Okay. Okay. I'm not the only one. That's cool. All right. That's the first thing. Unconditional love says, I, I don't withhold my love when you don't meet my expectations. Allow mercy and grace to be your anchors of operation. Two, what does we mean by respect? Kim and I were talking about this as respect is autonomy. I don't cross the boundary of your individuality. What I mean by that is you're your own person with unique preferences, experiences, feelings, beliefs, and you're responsible for your own decisions. What I mean by that is, is I'm not forcing myself, my preferences, what I think, onto you. I respect that my spouse, Kim, is an individual that God created and sees things through her eyes and through her perceptions and her experiences. And I can respect that. And then third value, God get, this is, you know, values your God given identity. God values you. This is, uh, let me, let me back up. Let me say this another way. Um, Valuing the God given identity in your spouse, meaning I don't reject or feel threatened by others differences or my spouse's differences. 
Instead, I receive and recognize their God-given identities, their roles, their gifts, their differences, their perspectives as valuable because God gave that to them, and they're there to help me. That's the bottom line. They're there to, your spouse is there to help you. And you're like, really? Are they? Yes. Just say with me. My spouse is here to be a helpmate. <laughs> Amen? And so when we set a foundation of love, respect, and value, then marriage flows through honor to protect and grow connection and intimacy with each other. So that's just our part one foundation. I want to shoot close. I'll, then we'll move to part two. Fun fact. Okay, and I know, well, maybe it's a fun fact. Maybe it's a clarifying fact. How many of you grew up and heard that 50% of all Christian marriages end, divorce, end in divorce just like the world? Well, like we've been told, George Barn has been saying, the church ain't any different than the rest of the world. I want to tell you right now, it's not true. If you're a statistician, you can make the stats look how you want depending on the questions you ask. I'm not saying George Barn is a liar. I'm just saying that he used the way they asked the question to the audience they asked produced those results. Would you like to know the facts? Well, at least how I read them. You can check up on me. In fact, Christians who have an engaged relationship with Jesus are part of a church community and are willing to work on their marriage have a significant lower divorce rate, and it's about 25%, not 50. Don't believe all the hype. Don't believe like, oh, we're just going to, we're doomed to fail. And you're like, well, Matt, how come it's 25%? Because you haven't heard part two and part three yet to get worked out. (laughs) What I'm getting at is, is that there is hope in that when you're committed to Jesus, Jesus makes a difference. That means 75% plus of marriages that are followers of Christ are successful. And I believe we can get that higher. And I believe most of the other 25% that aren't work is a lot of wounded people. Kim, it's yours. Amen. All right. So we're going to dive into personalities. Um, part of why we want to do this is when we started learning about different personality types, it helped us understand who we are and who each other are and how to relate to each other. So some people don't like to dive into that stuff, but it has been so resourceful for me, for Matt. Um, and it really was the beginning of part of our journey of finding health in our marriage. So, um, personalities, they're more than preferences or roles that we play. Um, preferences are like boxer briefs versus whitey tidies. That's his example. <laughs> or scrambled eggs versus over easy. Close. Um, preferences are just preferences. By the way, your spouse's personality, different than yours, is not a personality disorder no matter how convinced you are, okay? <laughs> it's not a disorder. Do not Google that. I could see y'all one in the morning. He does this. He's definitely got a disorder. <laughs> okay. Roles are things that we do. They're the things like who cooks in the home, who cleans, who works. Um, then there's male and female roles. There's, you know, sometimes we get cut up, cut up on the differences of, the differences between men and women. I think that's kind of shallow, honestly, because not all men are the same. Not all women are the same. Some women have a a higher sex drive than their spouse, Um, right? It's not always the man that has the higher sex drive. So we get caught in this level of actually shallowness where it goes deeper. It's our personalities. So um, 
personality is a gift from God, but it's not just that. It's formed in childhood, in the environment you grow up in, okay? Um, Each of us has a God-given personality, identity, with traits and strengths that are for the benefit of each other. Mm -hmm. In a marriage, you balance each other out. You bless each other because you each have different strengths and weaknesses, and you balance each other out in those strengths and weaknesses. Um, our person, you want to jump in? No, I'm great. Okay. Our personalities were formed in our childhood experiences that developed how we relate to the world and how we survive the world, right? So I will jump on this part. If we were raised in a culture of honor, like love, respect, and value, that draws out our identity in the healthiest of environments, Okay. But if you're like the majority of the human race, your family had some dysfunction to it. <laughs> Anyone here? Okay, cool. Okay, because I was like, if there was no one that had dysfunction, they should be up here talking, not us. <laughs> right? And so, um, I'm on part two there. If you're like the majority of the human race, your environment may have had a negative or traumatic impact on you. And that could be big T's, you know, big traumas or abuses of some sort, or small T's, small traumas, where it maybe was emotional negligence over multiple years, where it was like, well, they looked like they're fine. Their household, everyone was, they were good, there was a good family that lived on the corner, but emotionally the kids were never developed. So, you know, those, that, that forms your personality, and you're probably not even aware of what you, to what extent. Yep. And that's, that's actually part of my story. I grew up in a, a family, there was no drama. Everything was just on the surface. There was no, um, hardly any conflict. There was no depth. We didn't talk about things. Emotions weren't, a valid, they weren't validated. So what I learned recently, as I've done some counseling and dug into my own story, is that that actually was a little T, trauma. It was neglect at some level. And I learned not to know how to relate to my spouse at a depth of intimacy that God wants for me. I didn't know how because I never experienced that. And I wasn't even aware of it. I was clueless to it. I'd like to share a story that we just heard the other day. I won't use any names, and it's, well, maybe I don't think anyone's here at all. Um, There was a a, a small boy was driving in the the, uh, family car. Parents were in the front. He was in the back. And just out of nowhere, um, on vacation, just said, Hey, Mom, Dad, um, do we have enough gas? Like, are we going to be okay? And th- their response was, yeah, yeah, we have plenty of gas. We're, we're doing good. Um, we're okay. And you might and think, well, why, why would he ask that? And this is interesting. The parents responded in a positive way. And they responded because they said, yeah, we're doing good. And, man, how thoughtful of you to be con- you know, consider the safety of the family to make sure we're doing okay. You know, and recognize that that was this child's personality starting to show up, right? And to actually encourage it. Now, if you were raised in a family like I was in the 1970s and you stood on the transmission hump of an Oldsmobile leaning over that and you asked that question, I'll be very frank, I may have gotten a backhand for speaking out of line, right? Or maybe not that bad, but say, well, what are you concerned about that for? That's none of your business. Just sit down and be quiet. See, a culture of honor draws out your value and identity. Okay? A culture of judgment invites condemnation and brings shame. 
And that child, in this example, praise God, has godly parents that drew out honor, right, and value and built them up and recognized that. But if you're like me, raised in a culture of condemnation or shame, that begins writing things on your personality, right, being molded to go, oh, what do I, what do, I do with this the next time, next time there's conflict, the next time I speak up? They're going to be getting expecting stuff. So this is why these things are really important. What you got? I'm just going to interject. It's not in our notes. But Matt grew up in an environment that was very chaotic. There was a lot of abuse and no stability. And there was a lot of angry words and raised voices. And that was normal for him. So if we get in a fight, Matt might have a raised voice. And I grew up in an environment where we didn't have any arguments. And so that shut me down. Like, instead of, I didn't know how to fight back. I had no idea how to fight back and stand up for myself. So I shut down. And so those two personalities coming together, we can, there's strengths in him having his voice. And there's strengths in me not arguing, right? But when they're used in an improper way, it's not healthy. And that's where we struggle. Yep. So... We're on part six there. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Just making. How are we doing on time? I I was I had it broken out in ten minutes, and I'm kind of don't know how far. We're, I don't know when we started. Okay. I'm good. We're fifteen. Are we halfway through? Okay. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, guys. Speed it up. Um. So, with how many of you would recognize that your spouse is different than you? Okay. Cool. So y'all qualify. Um. <laughs> That's good. Um, how many recognize that your partner has a disorder? I mean, a dis, a, a, you know, a difference. Sorry, just had a. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Um, the next part here on personality, we this is where Kim and I were like, man, we could really dive in deep in this. And you're like, well, is this just for married couples that are young? mid or long term i mean reality is it's a journey of continual growth of continual discovery of continually walking out and appreciating the differences in one another and the reality is you're just like yeah but what he does to me or what she does to me or what she does just annoys me so bad well we're going to dive into that of how to actually work past those things and realize that god brought you together for a partnership and there's going to be some things that annoy each other. That is just part of the package. It's part of the Happy Meal, okay? It just, it's just there. It's, like the, it's just like you, you want fresh French fries, and you open them up, and the bottom of the bag is just burnt French fries. You're just like, that's not what I want. It's just part of the Happy Meal. You just got to enjoy it, all right? So with that, we can easily point out our spouse's personality flaws, right? Yeah, you can't. All right. He never helps around the house. She never wants sex. She gets mad about the little things. He does not talk through conflict. But it's much harder to look at ourselves. It's either to point out, well, they do this. But it's harder to look at ourselves and see what we do. And again, back to my story. Well, the intersection of my story and Matt's story. He had so much trauma and conflict in his upbringing and brought that into our marriage and 
not I'm not blaming him for doing that, by the way, but but it was there, and and he continually had um, trauma and conflict with both of his parents. They were divorced, and and he was getting it in different ways from both sides, and so all of this became something that I focused on because he's had this traumatic childhood. He's still dealing with it. And so the, mar- the marriage problems we're having, it's, it's all because he's in conflict. He has trauma. He's always, you know, needing this peace, and, and he needs to get healed. That prevented me from looking at myself. And I'm so thankful to God that through my counseling journey, about two years ago, it hasn't been very long, I was able to look inward and see, oh, I've kind of contributed to this. <laughs> It's more than his personality. It's me. And I was able to actually take ownership of my stuff. And God keeps showing me my stuff. And it's it's kind of ugly. But it's real. And he's loving me through it. And thankfully, Matt is still here loving me through it, helping me see it in a much more gentle way now than it used to be. <laughs> we're really being honest, huh? <laughs> we're, we're being honest. we got to be real, guys. Yeah, we got to be real. Yeah, and... So my, my my childhood was very loud and traumatic, and Kara's was just normal and quiet, but it still had, you put that together, and it still created uh, a, f- a fun chemical mix of, oh, this doesn't work. Um, just a quick plug here, highly recommend, um, you know, before you go any farther, call Pastor Bill and get a sozo going right away. Get, <laughs> if I had that 25 years ago... <laughs> um, uh, and I say that in all honesty, is, is that begin looking, say, Lord, what work do you need to do on me? And the cool thing is that, you know, I, here's the, the notes I wanted to share was when you look through the lens of grace and not the, you look at yourself through the lens of grace, not through the lens of judgment. Look at your spouse through the lens of grace, not the lens of judgment. And honestly, a sozo helps you hear and reconnect how the father in the Holy Spirit, and Jesus looks at you and treats you. Yeah, it helps, um, you know, and I don't know what they're going to be sharing on tonight, so I don't want to steal anything, but it, it helps you get realigned with your identity, right? Because how can I minister and love her if I'm not even working here, right? If I'm resisting God or if I'm not feeling his love or approval, acceptance, or I'm not allowing to heal the wounds that I brought into the relationship, how, I'm, gonna, I'm walking with a limp, and Jesus wants to heal that. Yeah, he wants to heal that. I, I and I just got to pause right here. This is Holy Spirit kicking in, preaching kicking in. Keep me on line, Melinda. I asked her. I told her just yell at me if I'm going too long. Um, during, the, I just want to speak this just from prophetically. I don't know people's stories here, but if you think their your hope is gone in your marriage, you may think your hope is gone. God doesn't think your hope is gone. If you feel your relationship is dead or close to it. That's fine because I believe in Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. And if you, all you can do right now is just say, Jesus, I just give this to you. That's it. That's all you need to do. That's all, just a yield. Okay. Anyways, just sense that come up. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to your spouse. Um, I know it's simple. But if you cannot be kind with the words that are about ready to come out of your mouth, walk out of the room. And not in a huffy way, okay? Not like to make a statement, but to say, you know, we did this years ago, learned this trick, was like she wanted to resolve things right away. 
I was like, if we're going to talk about this now, it's not going to be good. So we agreed that I said, I need some space. I got to go chop wood, go for a walk, go do something to, to let my emotions cool down. And she's like, I'm okay with that. If you commit to that, we can talk about it later. So we both had to give and take there. She gave me the space to, so I can not push. She wasn't pushing me, but if, I, if the situation and conversation pushed me, um, let's just say I've had a lot of repentance to do. Um, but she also didn't like this limbo of just keeping it open. So we committed. and worked. That, we, that was a tip we learned decades ago. Um, I'm on C2 here. Grace invites mercy so healing can happen. Judgment invites condemnation so shame happens. Remember, we want to invite grace and mercy into that. Um, personality strengths thrive in healthy environments. Um, personality weaknesses seep out in toxic environments. Our goal is not to, let me fix your defects. And the spouse is, let me draw out your gold. Right? It's not my job to heal her defects. Better way of saying it's not her job to fix my defects. That's Jesus' job. She just happens to see him a lot better than I do. <laughs> right? So she has to be kind and merciful. And then I have to be humble. You can go into that part. I think that's where it goes into. D there. Okay, yeah. so look at your reactions to situations. Pause. Observe yourself. How do you react? Right? Um, observe your behaviors and take your emotional temperature. Like Matt said, if, if he knows he's ready to lose it, he needs space, and I need to give him that space. I don't lose it all, like, anymore. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, that's okay, my old that's man. Fair. Sorry. <laughs> that's your old man. Yes, that's his old man. <laughs> Wait, is it really getting okay. real? It's good. Go ahead. Where, where are we at here? Um, okay, so... So manage that reaction, what you do with it. Um, that's the beginning of your journey of understanding you. Pause. Reflect. Yep. Think about how you're doing this. Okay? Yeah. Time-wise, how much more time we got? Ten? Five? Okay, we're going to okay. skip. We're going to jump yep. right to part three. Yep. That's enough for personalities. There's a lot of books to read on that. Um, one, there's one called The Road Back to You by Ian Crone. I really like that. And How We Love by... Milan and Kay Yurkovich. I think those are two good books. You can talk to us about that if you want some more. Let's start. We got four or five minutes to deal with communication. Part three, all right? You guys ready? We're going to go for this. Yep. The purpose of communication is to have a deep heart connection with your spouse. Okay? To be seen, heard, and known as well as to see, hear, and know your spouse. Communication is not just blabbing words. Um, the marriage problem back in the 80s, uh, Ed Cole wrote a book called Communication, Sex, and Money. Does anyone remember that? The Trifecta of Marriage Conflict. It was a very good book. Let me just flip this over here. But really, it's a lot more than that. Is actually communication and connecting typically comes down to unmet expectations. Really simple. Unmet expectations. You have to have um, the simple solution is quality communication that produces deep heart connection. And so what is quality communication? You want to run, run that down real quick? It's not what you say. It's how you say it. It's not what you hear. It's how you hear it. Listen to understand, not respond. I'm going to say that again. 
listen to understand. Most of us start defending, start preparing our response before we even hear the heart of the other person. We're defensive. Listen to understand. Yep. I want to understand what you're saying before I interject what my response is. I may not agree with your viewpoint, but it is my responsibility as the listener to show you that I'm engaged. Okay? If I'm talking to my wife doing this, yeah, I, uh-huh, yeah, I hear you. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Am I engaged? No. no. Okay? Attuned, present, listening, mirroring back what I hear you saying. Can you do a quick what is mirroring again? Just yes. Kind of, I don't um, think we can first, do attuned. This is a word oh. that I've learned in counseling. Attunement. It's like tuning in the radio dial, right? Mm. Finding finding the right spot so you can hear clearly. Tuning in to what your your spouse is actually saying, or mm-hmm. tuning into your own heart, even right. True. Um, mirroring back is something we've learned through a book that we read that's really helped us. When, when you're talking, you're having this serious conversation and, and one of you is just laying it out, to respond by recapping what they said, um, mirroring back to them what they spoke, and then saying, am I hearing you right? This is what I'm understanding you said. Is that correct? Would you like to add anything to it? Okay, Give them the opportunity to clarify what maybe you misunderstood. Again, when you walk in a culture of honor and show mercy and grace and kindness, you can actually throttle down, right, be in the, in the green zone, and instead of going after, well, why did you do that? Well, why didn't you put the trash out? Actually back up and say, hey, I'm curious. Is there a reason why the trash hasn't gotten out yet? You see, ask questions. I know, I know um, it's like, why do we argue about, about the trash? Well, it's because there's usually an underlying thing. That's going on, but just start asking questions, being curious. How did, why did you respond that way? Why are you reacting that way? Not in a defense attacking mode, but I'm curious. Be an investigator. Yep. Curiosity is an invitation to intimacy. Think about that. It disrupts shame because judgment, when we judge each other, judgment produces shame. So curiosity goes past judgment. You're not assuming now that you know what they meant. Mm-hmm. You're being curious. So it disrupts the shame because shame acts as a filter of past negative experiences. And it tells you how this is going to end, right? This conversation, I know how it's going to end, and it's not good. That's what shame does. That's what judgment does. Curiosity, when, when someone meets me with curiosity, it disrupts shame's power. Because I feel like they want to know me. Connecting. Connection. Yep. We'll wrap up with this here. You've heard this before, but it's basic tools. Don't say, you do this to me. Or when you do this, you know, say, hey, when this happens, or when you do this or say this, I feel this way. Not an attacking, but you're using words, I feel this way. And then in return, I must not be defensive. I have to choose to lower my walls. Right, to be able to hear, hear those words. You want to share Susie Larson's quote there? Because I think yeah. it's a good one to wrap up with. Yes. Um, Susie Larson is a talk show host, and she's written a lot of books. Um, and she used to do a show with Greg Smalley. And um, they said, I was listening to their show, they said, you can't cherish your spouse when you are defending yourself. Ooh. 
then the Holy Spirit showed me. I, I tended to be defensive, right? I was always trying, you know, you're attacking me. His, his harsh words were, you know, the loud voice. I felt attacked. And so I'm like, well, see, I can't cherish you because I'm having to defend myself against you. But then the Holy Spirit showed me that, is that always true? Are you defending yourself because you're trying to protect something and it's not about Matt? Right? So you have to look at it both ways. We'll conclude with this because I think our time's up, correct? Um, there's a lot you can't cover in 30 minutes, but if you want some tools or resource books that Kim and I read, we would love to share those with you. Um, I'd like to conclude with this, and that is if you do things with a culture of honor and are committed to communicating in a place that allows and invites safety and not to defend yourself or to attack them, and if you're willing to listen and if you need to take a pause for a day, that's fine, or a few hours, that's okay. But begin listening to understand and be kind to each other. Be merciful towards one another and invite the grace of God to be there. You actually will begin to see him work very quickly. Humility does wonders. I'll just say it that way. Pride causes a lot of problems. And when you're hurt, you tend to keep up walls, that's still pride. All right? So we're just, man, we can cover so much more, but um, thanks for just letting us invite you into our story a little bit. Um, like I told Pastor Deb, we're just the warm-up act. Get ready for some really good stuff. All right? Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys.